1: Uh, your programs that our passage of scripture for today is going to be the gospel of Mark chapter 16 verse 15 and if you don't see it on there you can also pull it up on your bible maybe your bible app on your phone it's a short verse it says he said to them he being jesus go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation there's a lot to be gleaned from that passage many theologians believe that it was a, a later addition to an already complete gospel of mark and that the original ending occurs somewhere around 16 6, chapter 16 verse 7 but it still serves for me i think a very powerful message in, uh, from jesus after he was resurrected from the dead and i chose it primarily because it provides a biblical basis for jesus telling his apostles and subsequently telling us to proclaim the gospel See, this, uh, this concept of gospel, again, as I said, will be our focus for this entire month. And we'll be doing our best to unpack the, the Jesus that we find in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. or we know as uh, what's known as, the, known as the synoptic Gospels because they share a lot of the same stories and overlap in many places. So in other words, they're similar and those are the four that have the most in common. So they're synoptic because you can see them all together. That's what synoptic means. We'll be covering John's Gospel a little bit later this year. As far as breaking that down, John's gospel is a little bit more mystical. A little has some miracles in there that you won't find in the synoptics. And I'll tell you also, the goal or focus of this sermon series will be more teaching, meaning more of an aim to give you information for your formation and ultimately for your transformation. And not so much trying to just build up. And since it's a teaching series, it'll be a quiz at the end. No, I'm joking. But we will aim to have an open discussion at the end of this month. So the last Sunday of this month, we're going to, try to have an open discussion with both myself and Pastor B. He'll be covering the next two. Uh, I'll do this one the next week. He'll do two after that. And we'll have kind of a discussion about what we've learned, what we've gone over all together, everybody has a chance to speak with us and have kind of a Q&A session. And I'm personally looking forward to that. And, uh, but the aim here is to, to get to see these texts in a new light so that no matter if they're, they're new to you or if you've been in church your whole life, we're just going to look at the gospel a little bit differently. And I think, as I told you before, it's it's very important to to fully engage your text and this this really to ask the right questions when you uh, when you read. So, as I even as I'm speaking today, feel free to write down questions. You know, feel free anything that pops into your head, write that down. You can either talk about talk with me after church, or even as that that Q and A session comes up later on this month, you can ask those questions. But in the end. We want to have a better understanding of the gospel and continue to wrestle with the theme of is what you're doing with your life, was it worth Christ dying for? And that's kind of what we want you to wrestle with for a while. Really throughout this month, really throughout the rest of this year. It says we we read this gospel of Mark. There's some questions that arise again of asking the right questions. So when Jesus says, go and proclaim the gospel. So what is the gospel? And as we seek to ask that question, I want to ask you, what's some What's some good news? that you got this week you know just kind ca- of think about think back to this week if there's some really good news you might have received or what's some this great news you've gotten at any point in your life like something that made you really want to just jump up and down what's some really good news that you've gotten sure go for it amen 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 great that's great amen so again it could be Someone in recovery, someone getting a the surgery they needed, it could be a new job, a new baby. You know, it's a boy, it's a girl in your family, not necessarily from you. Maybe you got a new job, maybe they fired you from a job you didn't want to have anymore, maybe that's your good news. Maybe the results are positive, maybe the results are negative, or you've been approved, you know, whatever your good news is, there's some good news that's been happening. As you, as you think about it, you know, the last time you had some good news that made you want to jump up and be down, you know, that really made you really, truly happy. So I want to recall for you some, some good news. I remember one of the, some of the best news, I, best news I've had in my life. So some time ago, I think it was back in, well, I know it was back in 2009. Uh, my wife and I finally we were expecting our first child. And so that's great news, but that's not really the, the good news part, even though that's great news. So we decided, so I thought that we were going to wait to find out the gender of the baby until the baby was born. At least that's what I wanted to do. So, uh, but that's what I thought we were going to do. And uh, so it came time to that point when, uh, in the pregnancy when you can find out during an ultrasound, you know, what the, the gender of the child is. And so we're there, and um, there we are in the, in the ultrasound room, and Lynette has the goo, you know, on her stomach, and the nurse has a little thing with <laughs> So you got that going on, and, and you see this little kid up there, and I know,ing like, what the gender is. Is, is, it, is it my boy? Is it my girl? You know, what is it exactly? And, and so I hear this little heartbeat. And I see on the screen, I'm I'm, st- I'm staying strong on my resolve. Like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know what it is. I don't, don't want to know the agenda. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait no matter what. And still, quick, 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 And this little kid is just moving around, you know. And so I, I feel my resolve start to wave. Okay, well, maybe I do want to know. Maybe I do want to find out, you know, what, what what this kid is. And, again, that heartbeat's going. And, and finally, the nurse says, well, do you guys want to know? And the letter forms of that, he said that he doesn't want to know. I like, okay, okay, so he doesn't want to know. And this, this, these milliseconds pass and they feel like minutes. And again, my resolve is just weakening. The more the heartbeat goes, the more the quick, quick, quick goes, you know. And, and she's moving it around and he, and, well, the, the baby's moving. And, and finally I said, okay, let's find out. Let's find out what it is. So I gave in, like right there in that moment, because like the, the sounds are going, the heartbeat's going. And she shows us the sign that, you know, it's a boy. And so in that moment, man, I remember just uh, wanting a little to just jump up out of the chair. Like even though I, I was so strong about not wanting to find out, the moment I found out it was, it was a boy, that, that, was, that was good. And that was the greatest news I'd ever heard in my life. And so when she told me that the reason I was, uh, it was a, the greatest news, I guess, until I heard, you know, about my girl, you know, some, some 19 months later. But again, uh, that, at that moment, to hear it was a boy, you know, so I, like, I don't know if it, those of you have experienced pregnancy, you know, somebody asks, you know, what do you want your kid to be? Do you want it to be a boy? Do you want to be a girl? To save families, to say, well, I just want a healthy baby. Oh, I just want 10 fingers and 10 toes or something along those lines. So I didn't say that. Like whenever somebody asked me, even before we found out the agenda, I was, I want the boy. So I want the boy first. Like everyone after that, they could be girls, but give me the boy. So even in my prayer, I would tell God, okay, God, I want 10 fingers, 10 toes. I want a healthy baby, but Lord, give me the boy. I want the boy. And so when the, the, the nurse said, it's a boy, you know, that was that, that feeling of wanting to just be, uh, just jumping me down, and actually uh, Lynette got a picture of me just coming out of the hospital with just like this, this beaming smile on my face of, of, I got my boy, you know, it's, it's my boy. And so, well, uh, you, you, may, you may know my boy, got, uh, we got our little Soren. He's the, uh, he was nine pounds, four ounces, so I said, our little, our little baby boy. And you may know him now, he's the four-year-old running around in the six-year-old's body. So that's our, that's the, that's our boy. And the testosterone he always talks about how big he is, but also uh, the intellectual in me wants to talk about how intelligent he really is. But it, either way, he's, he's my good news. He was my good news. And that kind of brings us to point number one on your, your notes. So that's what the gospel means. Gospel means good news. And it is derived from the Greek word euangelion. So that's E-U, it's up on the screen, E-U-A-N-G-E-L-I-O-N, euangelion. So the u part of that word meaning good and angelion meaning message. So you have good message or good news. And this term, excuse me, good news, is used in ancient times to refer to an ascension of a new emperor you know, a king to the throne. But in Jewish writings, it's used to announce the coming of Yahweh, which was the accepted, our accepted pronunciation of God's name for uh, those of the Jewish faith, the title for God. So the coming of Yahweh to save his people, that's what this euangelion was when they spoke of it. And a couple of things you might notice about this word, one of them is the presence of the word angel right there in the word. And so in essence, the term angel really just means messenger. And so it's kind of come to me, you know, really, Big guy with blonde hair and big wings, but it just means messenger. So whenever you see an angel coming the Bible, it's always someone that's coming to bring a message. So these are angelion. So the-, the messengers of God. Now, what's something else that some of you may notice about this word if you've been in church kind of a long time? It kind of looks like a word that we know. Exactly, evangelize, evangelism, evangelist. So, evangelize again is to bring the good news. That bringing of good news, to evangelize is to bring the good news. Evangelism is the bringing of good news, or evangelist would be the bringer of good news. But anyway, if we look at this, this term in Old English, it was translated as God spell, which is really their way of saying good spell, or which is good news, and that it essentially became God's spell became gospel. So that's the, the, the way the word developed. Now, by definition, the word gospel is an account of the, It's describing the life and the death and the burial resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. And the most widely and best-known examples that we have of that are, you know, the, the four gospels that we have, those being Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But it's a term also referred to people who, people who also wrote gospels that didn't make it into what we call the Bible or the canon. But we have these multiple writers who are using their gift to tell a story of the, the dissension of a king, meaning God coming to earth, and also the subsequent ascension of that king back into heaven. And there's a lot of story in between there. But all that being said, knowing where the term comes from, we're still left with that question of what exactly is the good news? You know, what, what is the gospel? So what is this ultimate good news? And that brings us to point two, that, that good news is that there is a God that loves us. So ultimately, what we have are four separate accounts of how much God loves us. We have these incidents of healing, of restoration, of freedom, all performed by Jesus. And so the very presence of Jesus on earth is a sign of God's love, of God bringing good news, sending good news our way. And God loves us so much that he came to offer us this chance at redemption, to, to be redeemed back to him, to be brought back to him, moved back to him. Through the life example of Christ. And we're we're giving this this man, we're this manual of uh, this four different yet similar ways on how to better communicate with God and how to serve God, how to give ourselves. And God is looking to us. He's God is like we we have this story of a God who's looking to heal us, to restore us, to challenge us, to give us, accept us, and just to call us, essentially to call us back home. And so, in trying to still understand it, we ask, okay, well, why? Why were these gospels written? And there are four main reasons one can say why they were written as far as what, how this develops. And so the first one being to preserve the story of Christ. Now, tradition has it that, you know, where a lot of us were taught growing up that uh, these stories are written by guys who were there. Like guys who were right there, right alongside of Jesus. They were rolling with them, but that's really not the case. What really happens is that they're written some 30 to 70 years. You know, after Jesus is dead. And they have, uh, what we're trying to do is that they're trying to preserve it. The guys that wrote this down, they're trying to preserve it from from the actual eyewitnesses. So they're writing the story from people who were there, people who saw it. So they're recording it, and the actual gospel writers are anonymous. There are no names in there. So names were ascribed later. So people trying to understand what was going on, how those things worked, and know exactly who they were. And it didn't really have a large window of time because in that time, there was a lot of Christians being martyred. And so, as an example of people trying to get things written down before, you know those who are experienced that are gone they have this example that happened in uh, the early uh, 1930s where there was a, a group of people that worked diligently to record uh, the eyewitness narratives of people who were formerly enslaved. So they wanted to be sure they got these stories before these people passed away, and have, even in those things, you have these different accounts so in the gospel accounts, you see that not every story is the same. you may find some things that are similar, some things that are different from from one gospel to the other. And even here when they were recording these, these stories of these people that were enslaved, you had some people who said that it was the worst thing ever. But you also even had you know, people of African descent who said that, well, it wasn't that bad. You know, so, but all those things are important to have. Like all those perspectives are important, the same as we have in these Gospels. So yeah, some people that spoke of horror, some people that spoke about the plantation, that it was like something nostalgic. But we want to make sure you don't throw away those voices that you don't really agree with. And more recently, it was even a more similar effort made for those people that were survivors of the, the Holocaust. And so you have all these stories written down, be they good, bad, or ugly. And there was this understood need by the, the gospel writers, who are also known as the four evangelists, to not let the story of Christ just pass away. To, and they wanted to make sure they weren't just relying on oral tradition or word of mouth alone. The gospel writers understood that they, they put in uh, the necessary work in order to keep it alive. But the question is for us, is that good news, is that good news important enough to us to keep alive? Is this good news that you've learned throughout your life about Christ? Is it as important as that time when you heard about it was, you know, it was a boy or whatever that good news moment was that you thought about when we first began to have this conversation? Now, number two is that it was they were written because they wanted to communicate the message more effectively to non believers. So there was this need to get the message out. Again, that's to communicate. So there was a need to share the good news, the best news. By writing it down, you assure a common ground for people around that region that allows more people to engage it, to engage their text together. Number three is that it was an opportunity to teach the message to believers. So there was this growing understanding that the Gospels, and that writing down the Gospels would make them easier to understand and therefore help people to grow in faith and possibly give them something, to, something tangible you know, to hold on to. And we'll have, for example, we we'll explore all the Gospels more in depth later on in the series, but the book of Matthew kind of has, has this way of being structured where it's very good for teaching how the church should work and how Jesus wants those things to, to really go forward. And our fourth point is it's uh, to spread the message further. And so the oral tradition of spreading the Gospel lasted well into you know, the, the, the second century. So you have people that were still just speaking it. They were walking around and said, okay, this is what happened. This is what Jesus did. These are how these things happen. But still you have these, these many groups of people that decided they want to write this story down. And now, at this time the world is still very far from, you know, you can write it down. It gives you a chance to really allow the message to be carried further and further as far as it being copied. But I don't want to think about it being copied in the way that we think about copies. The way that we think about, uh, the way we think about copies, and um, they couldn't just go and press a button you know, and have it be copied, or they couldn't go to a place of uh, the printing press didn't exist, so there's also no copies in that way. So they had to be very, very intentional about what it was they were trying to do, meaning that there were people who would sit down writing this by hand, so copying it letter by letter, word by word, because it was that important. To them. This news, this good news was that important for them to convey to the rest of the world. And they were compelled by these circumstances that they lived in. And I like to take that a step further and discuss, you know, why each writer wrote his particular gospel. The letters are really, as I said, anonymously written, and the names are given to the, the books later. And that being said, each gospel writer had his own reasons, you know, and how he wanted to portray the character of of Jesus. So Mark's gospel, you know, we find that it's uh, one of one of action. So Mark's gospel is like this one where Jesus goes and he does this, he does that, and he moves on. Like there is no like this idea of a lot of prayer, a lot of parables. So Mark's Jesus is a Jesus of like a hero. His gospel was suited to people like the people who we were, would were call the uh, Jewish Christians or Judaic Christians. So those who are early in the faith of people that we now call Christians were actually Jews, as Jesus was a Jew. And so the gospel itself that uh, we call the Gospel of Mark it will work to encourage Christians as well as excite those who may not be, who, could, who might not have decided what they wanted to do at that time. And next in Matthew's gospel, he expands really upon Mark's work. So he's literally using Mark as a source, and he does this excellent job of connecting the Hebrew Bible, or what we call the Old Testament, to the New Testament. His book is more of a more likely to written to, again, Judea Christian community, and they're trying to find their way, they're trying to find their voice. This idea of having something new come around and not in, exactly how to do this thing we call whether they were called the way or what we call Christianity. And so his book gives a kind of a, a how to and also gives more of an in-depth look of uh, who Jesus is. And Luke, who also uses Mark as a source, he expands it and uses it to write his book. And he's uh he dedicates his to uh, a, a man by the name of Theophilus. So Luke's account has a heavy focus on discipleship and, and faith. And again, he also honors that idea of him being Jewish and, He brings that into what he wrote, making sure that he has those things that line up in there. Again, we'll go more in depth with that as this this series goes on. And also, for those that don't know, Luke also writes the book of Acts. It's like a volume two. So Luke feels like this good news is so important that it can't just stop here. It can't just stop here with this resurrection of Christ. But there's more than this, that we have to live life beyond here. And what does that look like? And so he gives an account for the life of Paul and what the apostles did with their lives after Jesus' resurrection and ascension. But all in all, our question remains, so what does this mean for us? You know, uh, this, this love story, so that being your, your next point. So the, the love story that we know as the gospel was ultimately a story that leads us to Christ. The love story that we know as the gospel is ultimately a story that leads us to Christ. Now, I don't want you to take as much time doing this as you did on your good news, but I want you to think about some bad news, you know, some, some bad news you might have received, either, you know, bad news that you received or some bad news you might not want to get out, maybe something that you did, that if it were got out, it'd be bad news for you. You know, what, what, is that, what does that feel like? And what does that look like? And either way, if it's, if it's bad news that you received, if it's, you know, bad news that you don't want to get out, then God wants you to know that God always has this good news for you, that there's a God that loves you, that, God sent his son to die for you. So God is still this God of restoration, a God of hope, a God of healing. If it's something that you did, maybe maybe something you still may be doing. You know, God still wants you to know that there is good news for you, that your sins have been forgiven, that your debts been paid, that all you need to do is accept this, this and accept and believe that God did indeed come to this earth in the flesh, dwelled among us, taught us how to live, how to serve, how to love, how to sacrifice. Believe that he died, that he was raised from the dead. That's your good news, that he overcame it, that this is a, this is a love story, a story in which a father a parent knows that his child is going to mess up, just like we know Those of us that are parents know that have been kids, like you're going to mess up. And still our parents love us. You know, I've, uh, I've told my wife often, I don't know where I heard it, but it's uh, this idea that uh, as children that the word mother is, like the, is a term for God. So mother is a term for God in the mouths of children. So this idea of that, you know, mama's always going to love me. Most moms are going to love me unconditionally. So it gives you that idea of what exactly God's love is like. And that no matter what you do, like, you know, like mama's like, that's still my baby, you know, no matter what happens. And God, and we we often describe, you know, mainly masculine characteristics to God. But it's that same idea that no matter what you do, God looks at you in that same way, that that's still my child. And so that's good news. That's something to shout about. That's something to jump up and down about. Again, that same good news feeling that you had. And so I think what happens is I even think about when I got my good news about my boy, you know, it's a boy. And being so excited, but then you got there. There's now almost five years that have passed, and some days I'm just like, that's my boy. (laughs) Boy. And sometimes I have to remind myself, okay, that's good news. That is good news. And what it also happens, I think, also with this message, you know, as far as uh, the gospel has kind of become cliche. It's like anything else, the novelty kind of wears off. Let's say, like, if you were brought up in the church, or if you just came to the church, either way, that was a point in which this was exciting to hear. Like there was this idea that, okay, there's a, there's a God and, and God came to earth. Oh, wow, okay, God came to earth Then God decided that he was going to teach me how to live and God decided he was going to die for me in order to re- just to forgive me of my sins. That's an exciting thing to hear. But as you live it, as you walk it, it becomes this cliche that, okay, yeah, that's, that's my boy. You know, it's that same idea. And so I think that what I would like to challenge us to do is to really get back into a place of what is it that you can recall in your life that God has done for you. So what is the good news that you've gotten from God personally? Like, what's that thing that really keeps you coming here every Sunday? What is it that keeps you serving? What is it that keeps you just on this track of faith? I had one of my uh, seminary professors once asked me and said, uh, you know, it's, it's good to talk about what happened in your life, what God has done in the past. But often people either want to see or they want to hear. What is God doing for you right now? Especially those that don't know anything about God. Why do you love God right now? So what's that good news? Like, what is it that... that that makes you get up in the morning and just continue to want to be a Christian. And what is it? So making sure that it doesn't get old. And with that, when you get, make sure that it stays as good news and mistakes to, to stay excited about something that you want to share, then you find that as that's our last one, that as a true follower of Christ, that it becomes, you know, it's your duty. So as true followers of Christ, it is our duty to evangelize. It's our duty to evangelize. The, and I know for me, I'm, I'm very much a, an, an introvert. At Even I'm sitting here right now talking to you. I'm very much a, a guy that I can easily just, just sit in a room by myself and just read, do research, all this kind of things. And, uh, so that duty to evangelize may not be something that's very exciting for someone to go out and talk to people. That may not be your thing. But you can find some way, some kind of way to, to, to live it, to show it to someone in order to make sure that, that they see that, like, what is it about you? Like, what is it about God? that keeps us exciting for you. So now it's, it's, it's on us to, just as those four points were, as the, the gospel writers used, now it's upon us to to preserve this news, to communicate this news more effectively, to teach it, to spread it, and then having to ask yourself, what exactly, what am I spreading? So if you're not finding yourself excited, if you're not finding that this is what you want to spread, then ask yourself, what news am I actually spreading? You know, if every day, if every day is doom and gloom, every day is stress, if Every day it's not this thing where you are excited about God. And what exactly are you? Are you hindering the good news of God? And you think about that good news uh, and having to take ownership of it and having this this excited feeling of, you know, that this is, this is worth sharing. And I do want to open up right now, just so if anybody does have any questions, don't feel compelled to ask. But if you have any questions, you know, as far as anything that came to mind even right now, like, I love to do this series in a way where it's more of like, a, I guess what you'd call a kind of a town hall meeting kind of feel where you can just, if you want to throw some things back at me, and if I don't know the answers, am not the kind of guy I'm not going to just give you an answer. To give you one, I can find out for you, or we can find out that answer together. You know, I'll have it for you the next time I see you. But what I really want you to understand and, and to, to really get is just to really remember, I guess, what it means to be redeemed. Like, what it really means that there's a God that loves you enough, again, to realize that your sins are forgiven. I can recall a time in my life when I felt like, I don't know if I would call it what we call it now in a church, the term moral failure. I wouldn't call it that. But it was just, I remember, like, this feeling. And I was sitting, and I was, like, and it was at a point of uh, almost tears. And I heard this voice, and oftentimes when you hear God's voice, it really comes as your voice. But I heard something say, I still love you. And it was it was the most... Sincere love I'd ever felt more than I'd ever heard my mom say, even my wife say, my kids say, and it was like I felt like I felt worthless, like I had done the worst thing in the world, and it was this this still small voice that said, "I still love you," and it almost like it almost took me to the floor, and I think that I, and that's good news to me. I think that's something I want to be able to, to to share with you, say that even in my my lowest moments, that there's always a God that's in my heart that says, "I still." And I want us to be able to keep that, to hold on to that. And in holding on to that, I want to take us back to, you know, the same verse of Mark chapter 16. Jesus says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So next week, we'll be continuing this series. And again, it'll be be myself up here. And then we'll be be covering the, the book of Mark and who most scholars believe is the, the first gospel writer of the four. As I said at the beginning, it's a teaching series, so there, there won't be a quiz, but again, there's going to be a little bit of an assignment. You know, so what I want you guys to do by next week is to make the time to read through the Gospel of Mark. That sounds like a lot, but it's actually a very short book. And the reason I want to do that is so that we become more familiar with it, so that when we come here, we have something to come us It's a, a common ground to start from. And I know uh, the weeks, can, it can get busy. You know, Things can happen. Things come up. But I really try to live by the motto and making sure I don't say I didn't have time. I just don't believe in saying I didn't have time. I believe in saying I didn't make time. Like, I'd rather tell somebody, you know what, as far as the list of things I had to do, I didn't put that at the top priority, and I'm sorry. I just didn't make the time for it. So I want you to make the time, you know, to to go ahead and redo this and familiarize yourself with it or re-familiarize yourself with it. And also, that's that's one reason. The other reason I want you to read the whole thing is because I don't know what passage I'm going to preach from yet, so you might as well read it all. But with that being said, you know, uh, we'll go ahead. we'll, We'll close out in prayer, and I'll do run through a few more announcements, and we'll be out here.